In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about being lost in translation, a superfluity of nuns, Dragon Ball Z, and a shot of vinegar in our discussion of Heartstopper Volume 4 by Alice Oseman. Welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. I'm Drew. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss Heartstopper Volume 4 by Alice Oseman. Yay! Drew is here for a whole episode! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Yay! Okay, standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like to show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Yay! Yay! (sighs) Second time's a charm. It always (laughs) is. Second, third, eighth. It's fine. Sound edit. It's fine. It's fine. You'll only know if you watch the video. Never tell in the edit. Never. Unless, of course, you're watching the Patreon video. Ooh, Ooh yes. Hashtag be plugging. Oh, I get fr- I get the Patreon video and to be a part of it. That's amazing. Crazy. All you have to do is cool. give us money. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Yay. It's amazing what we'll do for money. Oh, don't say it like that. Jeez. <laughs> Although I was walking around the house topless today and Jacob was like, hey, I like your outfit. Is that how you're going to record today? Like, I just haven't put my shirt on yet. <laughs> no, that, not for a Patreon video. If it was the Vampire Book Club one, then yes, because that's drumming up the the Patreons. <laughs> Duh. Duh. <laughs> Anywho, that's not the relevant background information for Heartstopper Volume 4 now, is it, Amanda? No, it's not. I found something really cute on geekdad.com, and there's one very important line that I really, really love. And I want to see if you two can pick out the line that I love. Okay. Having been writing YA novels where the protagonist doesn't fall in love and still gets a happy ending, I've certainly found it harder to craft a plot without including much romance. Heartstopper has been a breeze to plot in comparison to my novels, but it's been very important to me to show in my YA novels that platonic and familial love can be just as powerful and meaningful as romance. That's just something very close to my heart and is a part of everything I write. So what is it? What is it that we love? I said the platonic feelings. <laughs> Drew, you know us. I could have sworn it was the smooching. Yeah. I swear it no. was the smooching. I raised both to the table. Oh. <laughs> uh. <sighs> so this is the last one that's out right now, right? Uh yes. Allegedly we have a release date for volume five. I have tried to find a release date, but I couldn't find one. It was supposed to be the 2nd of February, 2023. <laughs> and she looks around at the yeah. bookshelf and goes, where, yeah. where, where, where is this? This is kind five? of why we planned this out the way we did, yeah? So we get finished <laughs> with the fourth one, and then we can just move right on into the fifth one. 
And look, 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 there's all plans going oh, out the window. Oh. Well, I don't know how to tell you guys this, but it's apparently coming up. I want to say it was on like Book Depository or like a similar website. It's meant to be like the 9th of November now. <laughs> what? So just the end of the year. That's yeah, fine. <laughs> well, that'll just give everyone a chance to listen to these episodes over again. Exactly. And to be fair, like, I was fully expecting some sort of release information for the 2nd of Feb because everything was saying the 2nd of Feb 2023 mm-hmm. and there was nothing and there was nothing and I'm like, this surely some bookshop will do a special edition mm-hmm. or a signed copy or something. Mm. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, but we're doing hardbacks now we're, and it'll be starting to be released on the 2nd of Feb. So, you know, you're like, oh, <sighs> Yeah, I kind of got closer and closer and I was like, oh, I haven't had any comic updates recently. I, it's getting a bit closer. This is meant to, like, finish the story. <laughs> it, so, yeah. I had high hopes. But I wasn't holding much hope. <laughs> I... Dashed on the rocks on the beach where they're having fish and chips. It's exactly. a shame. I don't want to say out loud that I was hoping that it would be over soon. <laughs> it's because I'm dead inside, everyone. You're allowed to, not, you're allowed to not enjoy I'm them. I'm dead inside. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to not enjoy them, but you're also not allowed to just disparage them. Mm-hmm. But for random sakes, you've got to have reasons. Everyone knows my reasons for not loving these books. They're too precious. <laughs> I need, I need gruesome. Mm. I need something terrible to happen. That's well, all I want. Let's let's wait till we get to the recommendations because uh, okay. it's fine. Let's yes, dive into the summary. It. Let's have a talk. Yes, let's do it. Conversation, yes, communication, yes. and we'll process and talk about it. We will, and you guys will squee and, and we'll turn pro- into big piles of probably British. Probably translate. Yeah, I was going to say there's going to be some element of translation. There is, there is, and it's going to be fine. <laughs> uh, so maybe we should we should preface this with a trigger warning. It is excessively British. First off, <laughs> <laughs> for anybody who's scared of British I'm people terrified. and British talking. And- <laughs> British are coming the British are coming <laughs> oh more seriously though there are mentions of eating disorders and mental health and some self-harm so if you don't want to hear us talking about that feel free to skip this episode we'll still love you if you do all right August 10th Charlie's diary Charlie is stressing about it being too soon to tell Nick that he loves him. They've only been going out for four months, but they've been to Paris. They're out to, like, the entire school, and Charlie shared his weird eating thing. What if Nick doesn't feel the same way? Charlie is nervously practicing saying I love you in his bedroom, so obviously big sister Tori and little brother Oliver are spying. Tori's advice is to just... Tell him! For, you know, Tori is sage and wise. And Oliver adores Nick as a big brother already. Could it be that easy? It's either tell Nick tonight or wait until he's back from his family holiday in three weeks. Ah, it's entirely too long! (laughs) Who goes on a three-week holiday? Rich people. Rich people. Rich people. Yes. (laughs) Or to be rich people. 
Nick arrives soon to pick Charlie up for their beach trip and Oliver is about to tell him Charlie loves him, but Charlie grabs him in time. This is my favorite, my favorite panel in the entire thing. So everyone remind me, remind me to tell the story when we get to discussion. It's my favorite panel. Mm -hmm. Luckily, Oliver is small enough to manhandle. It isn't just the two of them on the trip, however. Elle, Alad and Tao are in the car with Elle's mum playing taxi. And Tara, Darcy and Sahar are meeting them at the beach. The Paris squad is back together. Settling into a good spot on the beach, Charlie can't stop ogling Nick. He's wearing a vest top, which is unusual, but then he takes it off and asks Charlie to put sunscreen on his back. (laughs) Gulp. Charlie's imagination runs away with itself as he imagines telling Nick he loves him, but also being rejected. In reality, Charlie has turned into one huge blush as he rubs Nick's back. After, Nick encourages him to put someone too by giving him a sticky gross hug. Nick points out that Charlie seems stressed, but he brushes it off as being hot. Snogging Charlie's face off, Nick heads into the sea with some of the others. Now Elle, who hasn't gone into the water either, notices Charlie's reaction to Nick taking his top off. Yes. Charlie has seen his boyfriend with a shot off at rugby, but this is an entirely different context. Al also notes Charlie looks stressed and it, he admits it is because he wants to tell Nick he loves him. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. But Elle points out Charlie is generally a stressed out person. She offers him snacks, which Charlie is reluctant to accept, but thankfully Tao and Alad come by then, so he's able to decline. In the panels, Charlie looks really sad and Nick, who is watching him from the water, looks concerned. As Nick is reclining in a donut floaty, he remembers a few weeks ago googling about eating disorders and is really worried about Charlie. As they head to lunch, Sahar pulls Nick to one side and tells him she's nervous about starting school at Truham because she's going to be one of the few girls there. They agree to hang out, and Nick offers to introduce her to the nice rugby lads. When she asks if he's nervous, he admits he's been thinking about other things, and the panel shows Nick searching how to help someone with an eating disorder. Piles of fish, chips and sausages are brought to their picnic and whilst everyone tucks in, Charlie idly picks at food. Nick checks on him and forms a plan. He's getting up and cuddles Charlie from behind, offering to go somewhere else for him to eat. Charlie declines and says he just can't today, so when Elle brings out a dish made by her mom, Nick declines on their behalf. As they're walking along the beach huts, Tal praises Elle's mom's falafels. They talk about families... Elle hasn't been to Egypt to see her grandparents since she was 11 because it's not safe to be trans there. Darcy offers to be a replacement grandparent as she's great at making cookies and is extremely wise. Plus, she doesn't get along with her own homophobic family, so her friends are her family. And Nick admits he's not sure how his dad will react, but at least he's got his friends. Yay! Found family, our fave. Best trope. Back on the waterfront, Nick persuades Charlie to go into the water. They mess around and play for a while, going under and dunking. It obviously turns to kissing, and it's a beautiful moment. Is this the right moment for Charlie to tell Nick how he feels? He tries to, but Nick also has something he wants to say and goes first. To Charlie's disappointment, Nick doesn't confess his love, but says that he thinks Charlie has an eating disorder. Charlie thinks Nick is right, but doesn't know what to do, so Nick suggests talking to his parents. He's been doing research to help explain it to them. 
Elle's mum picks them up from the beach and drops Charlie at Nick's house, where Charlie is able to eat comfortably. Nick is the one stressed this time. He's off to Menorca in 12 hours and can't find his goggles. Because he can feel sand in uncomfortable places, Nick heads into the shower. Charlie gets a text from his mom telling him to get home as it's past his curfew. Ah, mom, it's so <sighs> Knocking on the bathroom door, Charlie tells Nick he's heading home and also says, I love you! <gasps> what? Wait. What? What? It was terrible timing. Well, it is. <laughs> You can't say that while Nick is in the shower. (laughs) And Nick has the same reaction. Falls, scrambling out, puts some shorts on and a hoodie and runs out the door chasing Charlie. Nick makes Charlie say it again and Nick tells Charlie he loves him too. You're so freaking cute! Nick walks Charlie home. He's not wearing any shoes, by the way. When Charlie is home, Tori, who got a haircut, asks if Charlie managed to tell Nick. And yeah, he did. He's about to also mention their conversation about his eating disorder, but Charlie closes up instead. The next day, Nick and Charlie are texting as Nick is on the way to the airport. Amongst the cuteness, Nick asks if Charlie is going to talk to his parents. And he says he'll try. Later that day, Charlie is working on some summer homework when his mum asks him to tidy up his room. But then, Nick calls and Charlie talks to him instead. And even though the reception is terrible, Charlie's mum shouts at him to put the phone down just as the call fails. Charlie's mum then decides to have a little chat with him because she thinks Charlie is too young to have sex. (gasps) and claims that him staying out late and wearing Nick's clothes are all obvious signs that's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're not. not. They're not doing that. Nope. They're, they're not. Nope. They're not doing that. <laughs> the rant continues with her saying he needs to concentrate on his summer work and not let a school romance mess up other parts of his life and to not run his whole world around his boyfriend. Rude. <laughs> Charlie's dad steps in saying she's being too harsh and then the text where Nick Nick asks Charlie to call to talk to his parents is on the phone screen. Charlie runs to his room passing Tori on the stairs who can hear her parents and she feels terrible for her little brother. Mom is getting a bit intense now and it bothers me. It yeah Yeah. it it, mm. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it. I, it just keeps getting, like, I feel like it starts going up from here, and without going into spoiler territory, it keeps going up. <laughs> it yes. does not get better. No. <laughs> the first week of the holiday goes well for Nick, other than his brother David being an asshole, but that's nothing new. Charlie, on the other hand, is hiding in his room and not responding to group messages. The second week, Nick gets worried about Charlie, as does Tal, who has noticed that Charlie is quiet, but Charlie blames that on missing Nick. The third week, Tori, who knows something is up with Charlie, tries to ask him about it, but their dad interrupts because their grandparents from Spain have arrived for a family dinner. Charlie struggles all the way through and has to excuse himself to hide in his room. He calls Nick, and the reception is good for once. Yay! As they're talking, Charlie admits he can't tell his parents about his eating disorder because he doesn't have the same relationship Nick does with his mom, who, by the way, is currently berating David for being an asshole about Nick. 
<laughs> Nick's mom is worried about him. He's been throwing stones in the sea for the past 20 minutes. Nick tells her about Charlie's eating disorder and confesses he doesn't know what to do or to how to help him, and he's worried about what might happen if he doesn't do anything. His mum tells him he's only 16, and this is a lot to carry on his shoulders. It isn't his job to save Charlie, but a professional's, but he can support him in lots of other ways. As Nick's mum's telling him how, the panel cuts to Tao and Elle FaceTiming, then Tara and Darcy in Darcy's bedroom, each supporting the other. Nick's mum promises that when they get home, they'll sit down and do some proper research about how to talk to Charlie's parents or to a doctor. A couple of days later, school starts. Elle, Tara and Darcy are all starting sixth form at Higgs and Charlie Town Alid are entering year 11 at Trill. Can I, can I interrupt and be American here? Of course. What, did, what does this mean? <laughs> what do these numbers mean? Right, so mean? you know how I've said before... No, do you know how I've said before? We leave. We can leave school at sixteen. Uh-huh. So that's year eleven. So anything after that is either college, sixth form, or you're free in the what world. What is sixth form though? What sixth form is um, the equivalent of going to college, but it's usually based inside a school. So a college is a separate institution to mm-hmm. a sixth form. A sixth form is usually attached to a, a school. Yeah. And then, and then, if you want to keep going, you go to university. <laughs> yeah, sixth form is the equivalent of um, would be the equivalent of your high school, but only two years. Mm. Okay. Just your 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 <laughs> skills are weird, anyways. Middle school. What the hell's middle school? Makes no. Sense. I mean, that's. I mean, I guess that's just a name for the numbers. <laughs> like it still goes first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth. There's no other mm-hmm. things. Well, I was goes one, two, three. It just starts at a younger age. It starts mm. from when you after after you've been to nursery or kindergarten. Yeah, that's when our starts too. <laughs> kindergarten year, so. and then first grade. And it just go. Yeah, so nursery, yeah, one. But then you you get. Then you go to sixth form. Like, where does six fit? It's not. It's not sixth it grade. Take the take the number sixth. Take the number sixth out. It's just an extension of being inside the school. Okay. Mm-hmm. Except, but it's it, it it's based at a school, whereas a college is based as a separate institution. Okay, but you can understand how a a, a non-British would find this confusing. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thanks. That's all. It just it confused me for the longest time. You're and I there. You're doing it. <laughs> well, I never went to sixth form. I went to college. <laughs> I went to college. I thought it the was easiest the way same for thing. like to, to, the the <laughs> easiest way to understand between college and sixth form is sixth form you have to wear a uniform because you're still within the the school grounds. Whereas college you get to wear whatever the hell you want, mm-hmm. and it feels like you've got a lot more freedom. It yes. seems like with sixth form you are there the full day. Whereas college you just go back and forth to whatever classes you need to go to. All right. It's like mini uni. <laughs> it is. It's mini university. Just but just yes. <laughs> just know that I am confused. There's got to okay. be a diagram somewhere. <laughs> we'll, diagram, we'll have to find, we'll have to find Yes, someone draw me a diagram. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't draw. But Nick walks into school and sees Christian... Otis and Sai, who 
are also starting six form at Truman with him. They haven't seen Nick all summer. Is it because he's spending it with his boyfriend? They aren't taking the mickey. They are actually really curious and apologise for making a hash over it at the beginning of the summer. So British. <laughs> what is happening right now? What is that? Do you know what hash means? No! This is... No! A botched job. Uh, mm, yeah, I get... Yeah. No. Yeah. I think you're just Britishing it You know how a hash purpose. brown... You know how a hash brown is just a mix of all of the stuff and it's just basically a big pile of mixed up things that doesn't yes. make any sense? Yes. It's a hash job. Um, it's a botch job. You've made a hash of it. You've made a mistake. No, makes, I've definitely heard that before now that I've heard it again. <laughs> oh my God. It's not even British. It's colloquial. <gasps> Carry on. Definitely. Sorry. But no, that's fine. <laughs> so Hara's at the school gates waiting for Nick. And all his friends welcome her to Truem and quickly help her find her way around, which is useful because Charlie's texted Nick and he goes off to find his boyfriend to get his promised kisses. During registration, Nick asks Charlie to come over on Saturday because it's his birthday and he wants to introduce Charlie to his dad. When Charlie arrives on Saturday, Nick is upset because, shocking no one, his shithead dad didn't show. They still have a fun afternoon with his mom, who gives Nick driving lessons as his gift. Yay! Charlie gives Nick all of the jumpers he borrowed off him, and a real present, too. A photo album with a picture from the beach. The rest empty for Nick to fill. That's so cute. It's very precious. Except don't give all your sweatshirts back, man. You gotta keep those. <laughs> he's given them back so they can get laundered and then returned, I think. Oh, he just hasn't washed them. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he did yeah. say they don't smell like him anymore, didn't he? Yeah, they need to replenish their yeah. smell. <laughs> Can you just sweat in this a little bit, hand yeah. it back? Thank yeah. you. Just rub it all over. <laughs> and then... Just wear it, for, wear it after rugby practice. And then <laughs> okay. hand it over afterwards. Thank mm-hmm. you. Later, Nick wakes Charlie from a nap and tells him he's worried about him. He's noticed he's stressed and very tired lately, and he offers to be there when he talks to his parents and suggests that maybe writing everything he wants to say down will help. Charlie agrees and is worried his parents won't believe him. Nick walks Charlie home and holds his hand as he talks to his parents. The last two panels show Charlie crying and being held by Nick and his parents, then a copy of the letter he wrote ending with, I want to get better. Heartbreaking. It's very sad. Nearly four months pass, and now it's New Year's Eve. Nick is tidying his room, and he finds his journal. It's been a while since he's written anything in it, so he takes a moment to update it before Charlie gets there. He writes about Charlie going to the doctor, being referred to an eating disorder service, but the waiting list was long, and his appointment isn't until January, and things got worse for Charlie. He started skipping school, which made his mum mad, he became obsessive over food and started self-harming again. Oh, no. Poor baby. In October, Charlie's parents had to take him to the emergency room. His mental health was assessed there, and the doctors recommended he spend some time as an inpatient. He said yes and got a place in a hospital two hours away. They spoke on the phone, and Nick visited a lot, but it was worrying and made Nick anxious. But his mom helped. At Charlie's request, Nick didn't tell people at school why Charlie's been out, but the Paris squad knows. They've been supportive, too, sending care packages and helping Nick. 
Nick's also gotten to know Oliver and Tori better during the car rides to the hospital. Tori is quiet and intense, but she's good people. In early December, Charlie came home. Christmas Day was especially hard because he had a massive argument with his mom. And apparently this is a story that was in This Winter. In that story, is that right? I haven't read that one. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you if you read the novella This Winter, it tells you exactly what happened at Christmas Day, and it is mm-hmm. heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. It's a long journey, and this is only the start. But Charlie is doing better. He has a therapist, he hasn't self-harmed for months, and he's been thinking differently about how to deal with his anorexia. Now, it's time to get ready for a party. Yeah. yeah. The Paris squad is at the party, and they're so happy to see Charlie. Nick is good at deflecting questions from others about Charlie being off school, and somehow Nick manages to stay awake until midnight and the fireworks display. At midnight, they snug each other's faces As is tradition. (laughs) Flash forward to March. Charlie is sitting in his room, looking at his journal, which he's not written in since the summer. Jeff, his therapist, has encouraged him to start writing in it again. He writes that he hates the idea of therapy at first and that there have been ups and downs. The hospital was what he needed, even though some of the rules sucked and some of the days were awful. But it was mostly fun and he even made some friends. He was diagnosed with anorexia and OCD. And though the word, those words are scary, they're also a relief and things start to make sense. Jeff is helping process all the bad things that have happened, being outed, the bullying, Ben. Ben. Some days Charlie's fine, others he's not, but he's been assured that the bad days will get less common, and sometimes Charlie thinks Jeff is full of shit, but sometimes he feels hopeful. I mean, that's good. Yeah. Normal process. Yeah. Charlie goes on to write about returning to school after the Christmas holidays and how Mr. Farouk and Miss Singh have been really supportive. So has Tori, even though she's carrying a lot of guilt and her mental health isn't great either. But she's made a new friend, Michael, who is the total opposite of her. And their story is in the book Solitaire. Charlie had a self-harm relapse in January after having a shitty day, then arguing with Nick over something dumb that made him leave. It just got to be too much. Charlie told Nick, and he immediately came back, and they made up. Charlie's parents even let Nick stay over to keep an eye on him, which was not necessary, but they did get to cuddle all night. This whole thing has made Charlie realize that they need other people, too, like siblings, parents, friends, a therapist, more friends, and even teachers. Tori interrupts Charlie's writing because it's almost time to go to dinner. The Spring family will be having dinner with Nick's family, and his dad, who Nick isn't out with, will be there. But will he? Will he be there? Find out next week on Dragon Ball Z. (laughs) (laughs) Tori gives Charlie a hug before letting him get ready. <laughs> that was amazing, Drew. <laughs> Can this be Dragon Ball Z instead? That would just that would make me so happy. 
If it was Dragon Ball Z, we will never ever find out if Nick's dad is there for like at least two Yeah, years. it will take at least 48 episodes to find out. Mm-hmm. You exactly. know why he's not there? He's just oh. running along Snake Way. He's exactly. never going to make it. Go to talk to Mrs. Snake. <laughs> oh, dang. God, I love it. This has given me an idea for the episode picture now. <laughs> Okay. Serious face. Nick is setting the table and looks nervous. His mom tries to comfort him and assures him that he doesn't need to come out to his father. He doesn't owe it to him. It's not for his father, though. It's for himself. Just then, the doorbell rings. The springs have arrived and Oliver only has eyes for Nellie and Henry, the newest baby Mm -hmm. double. Greetings are exchanged and we find out the parents' names at last. Volume 4, we finally find out their (laughs) names. Nick's parents are Sarah and Stefan. Charlie's are Jane and Julio. Tori checks that Nick is okay and he's as well as can be. And then Charlie checks if they need to pretend to be platonic BFFs. David is there too. But he's not interacting because he's an asshat. Oh, he's the worst. He needs to be Kamehameha. (laughs) Well, the meal is going well, and Nick is trying to decide the best time to come out to his dad, when David takes it upon himself to interrupt the conversation and asking his dad if he knows how Nick Nick met Charlie. Yes, they met at school, and they play rugby together. Stefan misunderstands David's pointed comments and exclaims how rugby players attract all the girls. And then he asks if Nick and Charlie have found a girlfriend yet. Tori watches David closely, and if looks could kill, he would be ashes. <laughs> when David almost outs Nick about not needing a girlfriend, Tori grabs David's arm and digs her nails in, whispering, Don't you fucking dare! <laughs> <laughs> I love how threatening Tori is. Me too. <laughs> yes. It didn't help though. It's too late. Nick is pissed. It's too late. And he calls his brother out for always doing this. David says he's just helping, but it isn't helping. He's an asshole. Nick stands up, tells his dad that Charlie is his boyfriend that he's bisexual, and that he's surprised he hadn't caught on to that considering how much he talks about Charlie. But honestly, Nick doesn't give a fuck what his dad thinks as he sees him so rarely. Then, turning on his brother, Nick calls David out for bullying him into hating himself for his whole life. But you know what? It's not working anymore. Nick likes who he is, and he likes his life. Nick leaves the table, and Charlie goes after him. David turns into a whiny little bitch. I mean, he's already a whiny little bitch, but he gets worse, if that is conceivably possible. Somehow, things get worse. (laughs) He starts demanding his mum not let Nick talk to him like that, but she shuts him down immediately. Even his father tells him how disappointing David is to him. Burn! Oh my god, you do not want to hear those words from a parent's mouth. Mm -mm. Sarah then puts Stefan in his place, telling him he has no right to say anything since he barely sees his own children. 
She's sick of them both. The springs are suddenly extremely interested in each other and the dogs. Oh, oh look at little Henry. So cute. Oh, yeah, I love that little doggo. <laughs> Let's go and chase Nelly around. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> now, Charlie catches up to Nick in the back garden. And you know what? Nick is all right. It wasn't what he planned, but it was honest. Sarah also comes out to check on Nick and tells him she's glad he said what he did. Later, as Stefan is leaving, Nick sees him to the door. Stefan apologises and says he wants to be better. Nick tells him how hurt he is that he cancels plans and that he needs him to actually try to be better. <laughs> Not just say it, you know, as you'd expect. <laughs> they agree to meet before he goes back to Paris and Charlie is invited, which is a huge deal. As the springs are getting ready to go, Julio congratulates Nick for handling the situation well while Sarah and Jane compare drama and Oliver holds the dogs tight. Tori, in the bathroom, overhears David sitting on the stairs talking on the phone. He is being the worst fucking asshole that there has ever been, complaining about Nick coming out and calling him an attention seeker and blames it all on Charlie. Tori, hero that she is, kicks David's phone out of his hand and sends it flying across the room. Tori calls him a pathetic little man and promises to end him if he talks about her brother again. And we all cheer. Favorite panel, I think. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Back in the hall, Oliver is inconsolable at having to leave the dogs. Bless him. Charlie, meanwhile, asks his mom if he can stay out a bit longer to take a drive for milkshakes since Nick has passed his test. Yay! Jane gives Charlie a massive hug, extends his curfew to 11 and tells him, I trust you. Sorry, I haven't been very good at that. Huge, huge omission. Nick and Charlie leave to get into Nick's car, which the poor guy has got pee plates. Oh, no. I know. And with Chloe Morando's, I want to be with you blaring, go for a drive. What's a pee plate? What is a pee plate? (laughs) Okay, so when you're a learner, you have a red L on the car to show to everybody you are a learner driver. You do not have an official license. But what you can do after you've got your license is have another one, which is a green P on it to let everybody know that you've just passed your test. But it's embarrassing as all fuck. Mm-hmm. It's the worst thing. Nobody wants to have that horrible green pea plate splattered on the car in any way. <laughs> My mum was great. She didn't She didn't get the pea plate for me. She was like, no, there's no point. You can either drive or you can't. <laughs> Doesn't matter. My friend Vince, on the other hand, his mum insisted he drive with the green pea plate. And then he accidentally lost it, to which she replaced no. it. Oh, and she no. made him have it on for another six months afterwards. <laughs> it's really oh. I have a weird one. My boyfriend passed his test and then like didn't drive a car for like five years. Got his first car and then was like, I'm I'm gonna have some P plates on just so everyone knows. I'm like I can't be seen with you. <laughs> That's embarrassing. No. Yes. No. 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 I yeah. I wasn't a P plates person. <laughs> no. No, pee plates are just embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Why do you need to tell anybody you've just passed your test? You either can drive or you can't. Mm. All right, well, you know, I think everyone knew because I stopped hitting things, so. <laughs> <laughs> that 
that doesn't necessarily mean you passed your <laughs> test or not. Well, you know, when you don't hit the curb as much. <laughs> I know somebody who, who their form of parking at a, at a supermarket car park was to go next to the bollards <laughs> and then stop when the bollard makes What's a stop. What's a bollard? Oh, no. that's, how, that, that's how she used to stop. Just like a little, like normally concrete or metal pillar, basically. Post. Yeah. Yeah, it's just okay. a post. It's so British. I need a moment to process all of the British schisms. Can we? <laughs> okay. We're going to go and get a British dictionary for okay. Amanda. I also have a diagram of the British educational system. If okay. You want one. Yeah. I need help. <laughs> I need help. It's, a, it's, my, it's the first step I need to take telling people that I need help. <laughs> Have you ever wondered what Tina Fey has in common with Jonathan Swift? Or how Star Wars is connected to feudal Japan? Or just how pervasive Shakespeare's influence still is? I'm Rhonda. And I'm Erin. And our show Pop DNA explores the literary and historical roots of your favorite pop culture works. Like the Greek mythology and early 20th century feminism echoed in the film Wonder Woman or the classic dystopian fiction and real-life political revolutions that informed The Hunger Games. Every month, we bring you a deep-dive discussion of a selected pop culture work, featuring jokes no one will think are funny, and literary references no one asked for. Find us at thepopdna.blog or anywhere you get your podcasts. By the way, Shakespeare is bigger than Disney. Are we back? I think we're back. We're back, baby. I'm still confused. It doesn't help. Nothing helps. <laughs> it's fine. That's why I have you two. You can awkwardly you, you, explain things to me, and then I'll still go, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's the fun of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You need to watch more British television. That'll help. Mm-hmm. That's how we know American oh. TV. That's what I need to do. I don't no, watch a lot of TV thing. though. Yeah, why not? I mostly, mostly wow. books. I mean, this is help. This is helpful to me, ish, I guess, having these conversations with you two with these books because they are exceptionally British. They are. They're more British than Miss Gales. Yes, but to be fair, Miss Gale is not one hundred percent British. No, she's not 100% British, but she's exceedingly good at being 100% British, but not right. overly British within the books. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Panels. panels. Yes. <laughs> Amanda, I'm going to put you your first because you came the first panel that you love. Yes. First. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> the panel chronology the panel yeah. where <laughs> Like Charlie, Charlie had just been confessing his love to the mirror, and then Nick comes over, and Oliver like skips out, and he's gonna declare Charlie's love for Nick, and then Charlie <laughs> whips him up by his face and carries him off. That is the exact thing that happened to me with my older sister when I came frolicking out of the bathroom holding a pair of her underpants that the dog chewed the crotch out of and was just waving them in the air showing them to the boys that were in the living room that my sister had huge crushes on and so my sister picked me up by my mouth which you can see that's the same thing that's happening it's the same thing that's happening to little oliver there's a hand over that mouth just whip him up and drag him into another room that exact same thing happened to me it's real 
Mine might have been worse. It can be done. Mine might have been worse than Oliver's, though, because I did have a pair of leopard print crotch chewed out panties that I was waving around in the air. It's like, what? I did. I did do that. (laughs) Pretty embarrassing. Sorry, Candy, my older sister. I'm actually not sorry. It's one of my favorite stories to tell. I was waiting for that. I could see the the lack of (laughs) any repenting. But I did, I loved that panel so much because it's real. (laughs) That exact same thing happened to me. So It's backed up by science. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was the best. (laughs) Okay, true. You said your favorite panel was Tori? Yes, Tori kicking David's phone. But also, <laughs> um, when Nick and Mum, t- Nick, Nick and Mum, Nick and his mum talk. I like that. Like those are my two standout bits. I, I think they're very nice. Is that is nice the right word? Mm. I guess nice for one, but it, it spells very real. I guess it's very different from normal stories where it's like I have a boyfriend and my problems are solved. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Boyfriends don't solve any problems in this <laughs> the, in this series of books, Mm-mm. do they? Because but no. it just goes to show, boys are trouble. Mm-hmm. Boys are trouble. Doesn't matter if you're it's a boy dating a boy or a girl dating a boy or a non-binary person dating a boy. Boys are trouble. I think mm-hmm. that is unfair to well, say. I think dating is trouble. Teenage boys are trouble. Teenage dating is trouble. Teenage dating is trouble. Okay, let's let's uh and broad stroke. And having older (laughs) siblings. Except for Tori is an older Older sibling and she is pretty great. But David is a fuckbag, so Oh my god, I hate David so much. The contrast between Tori and David is astounding. Like Mm. David is an absolute fucking prick. Yeah. Can't stand him. Want to kick him in the tea, the teeth. But Tori, who's going through her own shit, and if you do want to read more about it, highly recommend Solitaire. Mm-hmm. It is points a difficult read as well, and it's not necessarily a happy ending. Um, it's more, it's less of a story and more just a series of events. Mm. And it's definitely not a romance. Yay! Um, <laughs> but it, it, trigger warning lots to do with mental health mm. um, and you find out what's really going on inside Tori's head and it's it, it's not it's not the easiest of reads um, but she's going through her own stuff and she's so genuinely worried about Charlie but she's quite introverted she doesn't want to talk to anybody she's just, she's just this presence Mm. that's there this comforting presence and i think charlie appreciates that's what your sister's like um whereas david's this loud mouth prick who can't keep his mouth shut and just gives his vile opinions unwarranted and unneeded such do we, complete chalk and cheese do we ever get any more of david like any of his backstory why is he such a shitbag I, I don't think so, and I don't think there's an explanation for him being a shitbag. Surely I there's got to be something going on for him to be so awful. Like, mm. I almost wonder... He's just is... narcissistic, I think, as well. 
Mm. Or is he maybe also queer in some way and like is afraid he's of projecting. it? And he yeah. And like maybe, you know, he sees his brother coming out and everything going well for him and like maybe something happened and it did not go well for him or he was too scared to say anything. I mean, like and now like and now if he says it now if he tries to come out it'd be like, Oh, you're just you're just doing that because Nick's doing that. You know, like is it is it something like that? Mm. It's a very distinct possibility, but what I would hope is that he would grow up in his attitude and he would have a conversation with Nick and say, Nick, I'm really sorry for the way I treated you. And what I've realised is that a fact I'm, I was projecting my fear onto your situation when in fact I am X, Y and Z. And, you know, your bravery has made me, it's given me the confidence to step forward. Mm. But I don't think that's the case because, I mean, I do know... <laughs> And I'm related to two people where you have the two siblings and the old one. I mean, I'm not saying it's always the old one at all. I'm just saying in this situation, the older one is a homophobic prick. And the younger one is extremely liberal and all inclusive. You know, ally just want, is a 100% believer of love is love. So. So. And. Ha, ha, how does it happen when you grow up with the same parents, you're in the same household, mm. but two very different attitudes? I think it can also come down to like the age difference between the siblings, potentially. Because yeah. I, I, I don't remember if we know how old David is, but I always got the feeling he was like maybe like ten years older. So just he's like... at university, mm. but that's not to say he went. He did the. School, sixth form, slash college, university route. He might have gone <laughs> yeah. to university a bit older. But I think mm. it's safe to say he's between uh, 19 and 23, if mm. that was the case. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just kind of just always got the vibe he was kind of just a dick. And his purpose in life was to be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he's just, maybe he's an incel. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Some people don't have rhyme or reason for being... A prick they're just a mm. prick and it may be that back at school he fell in with a bad crowd and he took on their mm. attitudes and it may be that he's never known anybody who has been queer before so he doesn't know how to react to it but i mean if you want a university there's a very good chance mm. it, that element is there and but it's already ingrained in him that he is a homophobic douchebag yeah. mm. is he friends with he's harry just a sack of shit Quite possibly. They'll probably go to the same homo homophobic club. Some but people are just shit. True. Some, Some people, people are just, just garbage shit. people. Don't be a garbage person. And it's sad. Mm -hmm. Don't be a garbage person. It's sad for them that they can't have any growth. At least in volume three we did see some growth with Harry. Mm. Yeah. When with the conversation in Paris. But I do not think we are ever going to get that with David. Mm. No, he's the worst. Yeah, I don't. I don't get the feeling. I just feel like he's just going to be that that older brother who likes to cause shit. <laughs> it's going to get to the situation trauma. where Nick and David are not going to have a relationship. Mm. And I think at this stage, Nick would quite happily not have a relationship with his older brother if given any opportunity. Yeah, I mean, why would you? Yes. Yeah. 
purely for his mum's sake, I think, at this point. But mm. there's a very good chance that Nick's mum could just say, you know, until your attitude changes, I, I don't need your negativity. Mm. Yeah, and especially with the that dinner scene and even Stefan, who is an absent parent, being disappointed in David. Like, maybe, maybe this will be some sort of change in him you know seeing every oh i just embarrassed myself in front of everyone at dinner and everyone thinks i'm a shitbag maybe i actually am a shitbag maybe this will be his turning point i can i wonder (laughs) i hope but i do wonder if david is the type of person who he can't be embarrassed in front of the springs he doesn't know or care about the spring family Mm. and then it's his dad his mum his his absentee dad his mum who as far as he he thinks is I think I think David thinks his mum's soft when mm. she's not. Yeah. She's she, she you know, she's raised him as a single parent. She's absolute kick ass. Um and then there's Nick who he gives no doesn't give two shades of shit about his his little mm. brother. I don't think that situation is embarrassing enough for him to mm. stimulate any kind of change or self reflection. It needs to be in front of his friends. It needs to be in front of his peers. Does he even have any friends? Where that will happen. Well, the phone call would suggest he has somebody to talk to. Or, or he's dialed one of those sex bot numbers. Yeah, it's just a fake phone call. <laughs> and he's like... He's like, I should yeah. just talk to someone. It's the talking clock. Mm. I, don't know if, I don't know if that still exists. But there used to be a telephone number, Amanda, where you could call and it would tell you the time. Oh, yeah, we had one of those too. It would tell you the time and the temperature. It was called oh. shocking to oh, everyone. We didn't have temperature. Time and temperature. Oh, we just for for oh, somebody famous for a little while took over doing the voiceover for it, and I remember me and my friends were calling it all the time. <laughs> I think that's a bit oh, before my to time. To be seventeen again. <laughs> oh, Drew wasn't born yet. Drew couldn't use. Oh, this is back yet. in the day when you used to have to put credit on your mobile phone. I was alive during this time. Credit for my mobile phone, <laughs> now, if you ask for credit, they're like, mm. "You are? <laughs> like, you're like, what? Like, I mean, yeah, sure, but what? Why? Just get a good contract. You want to extend your data plan? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <sighs> um, another one of my favorite panels. Getting back to talking about this book mm. a little bit. Oh um, yes, is. Uh, when uh, they're about to start their dinner and Charlie's like, so do we need to be platonic bro BFFs? <laughs> and he starts calling him mate and pal, mm-hmm. bro. Oh, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> yes. I do that to Colin oh. all the time. <laughs> it's so funny. I really liked that panel as well. It was very, very wholesome. I think it's the sign of an established relationship when you can start doing messing around with things like that. Are there any other good panels that anyone loved? I think we all just had the same kind of favourite panels because everything we've mentioned is the ones I liked. (laughs) I did like at the beginning of the school year when the rugby lads finally talked to Nick Mm -hmm. and they were like, yeah, sorry, we're like... We we really were stupid and we were trying to be nice and we messed up and mm-hmm. they made hash browns. We're fully supportive of you and Charlie. They made hash browns. They made some hash browns. <laughs> they made some hash browns. 
And it was like, oh. I like I like that. And I like the fact that as soon as Sahar came on, they were like, hello. Come, <laughs> welcome to Truham. It must be so intimidating being a girl going to an all boys school. So why is that hmm. a thing? Don't know. Okay. Narrative purposes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. But some schools do have weird rules like that. I mean, all yeah. the ones that I went to were just normal, I guess. <laughs> I, there, there are. There, there is an all boys school. And there is an all girls school. Like in my area, mm. but the Catholic schools. Um. I don't know. I see. I don't know if I've got six forms, and I don't think. I don't think the 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 cross gender, it's sixth form. I don't know. Mm. It's probably to encourage numbers. Just yeah. to encourage attendance, because mm. you're not a student. When I was at college, I remember being in the student union and going to a meeting with the the, the college dean, and he didn't refer to students students. He referred to us as units of resource. Oh. And every single oh. student has a monetary value on their head, oh. and the more you've got, the more money you've got. So you know you felt oh. like you were really loved as a, as as and you know really valued as a member of the college. It was yeah, it was wonderful. Um, so I can only imagine that the only reason they're doing it is because once you've done your final exams at sixteen and you have the option of going to a different school or going to a different college or going to a college, it's just to make it easier to keep mm. the numbers up. Mm. Okay. That that's my only guess. So even know. you don't understand the excessively Britishness. Is it? Excessively I don't know. British? I don't know. It's just. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a thing. It's just, just a thing. Yeah, is what it is. <laughs> it's interesting. See, I, I'm I'm not keen on the idea of like uh, only boys or only girls school because I think it causes it. It makes it difficult. To talk to the opposite gender, like you don't know how to socially interact with them. Mm. I don't know. But there was that... there was the Paris trip where they all got to intermingle, and I'm sure there there's been other stuff where they've all got to intermingle, right? Yeah. Again, I don't know how common that is because I can't imagine mm. the two Catholic schools in my area doing that because the <laughs> nuns would have heart attacks. <laughs> They're trying to keep the boys and the girls apart, and they already have terrible reputations for deviant behaviours. <laughs> so no, no, the students, not the nuns. Are you sure about that? It could be the nuns. <laughs> yeah, it's probably both. To be fair, <laughs> I sold nuns' underwear once. My first ever job was at a Marks and Spencers, mm-hmm. and I was in the menswear and women's department, women's lingerie department, because it was on the same floor, and um, a gaggle of nuns. What's some a murder of nuns, an unkindness of nuns, a coven of nuns, whatever a group of nuns. Is a rosary of nuns. And a rosary of nuns. <laughs> a habit. A and habit like, of Can nuns. You help us? And a habit of nuns. And none of them were Whoopi Goldberg, unfortunately. Damn it. And they asked for my help. <laughs> and obviously, me being an eager 16 year old in my first ever job and my first ever day, oh, yes, I can help. So I helped them find their knickers <laughs> and then ran them through the till. And they also bought shortbread. And they they said, oh. "Are you going to come to our Christmas?" Because it was a Christmas job. And they said, "Do you want to come to our Christmas party?" I was like, "Thanks, but I'm working." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've just googled it. 
And a group of nuns is known as a super fluty. What? That doesn't that sound, doesn't sound like a word. <laughs> I mean, I could be saying it completely wrong, but it's super F-L-U-I-T-Y. Super fluty, yeah. Fluity. A group of nuns is known as a super fluty, although the term is now rarely used to refer to nuns. It is sometimes used to refer to an excessive amount of something. <laughs> How the more you interesting. Know. Well, there you go. <laughs> oh, I love collecting. But I still nuns. think a rosary of nuns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love collective nouns. <sighs> <laughs> anywho, anywho, anywho. Favourite character? Do you think it's safe to say that we've probably got the same one? Probably. I think so. Shall we say it together after three? Yes. One, two, three. Tori, Tori. why do you whisper it so creepily? <laughs> I don't know. I thought I was going with the five. <laughs> One, two, three. Tori! Tori! Yeah! Oh, I prefer to be creepy. Did you do that for me? Yeah. Wait till our recommendation. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> Although I do also kind of want to say, based on our brief conversation earlier, that um, my favorite character is also Vegeta. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. It's been too long since I've seen Dragon Ball Z, so I really can't comment. That's okay. Drew and I can talk Dragon Ball Z for forever, I'm sure. But we probably shouldn't. Exactly. Go but we it. could. Maybe, you know maybe on a different is? episode. Yes. <laughs> I'm quite convinced that if I started rewatching Dragon Ball Z, they're probably still on the way to that tournament. <laughs> and it's been a few, yeah. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> Potentially. Yeah. Drew, we'll have to have a spin off episode and just only talk Dragon Ball Z one day. Nice. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Just take over Vampire Book Club one day. No, nah, nobody else would enjoy that. It would just be the two of us and everyone would drop out. Yeah. I enjoy watching other people talk about things they're enthusiastic about. So you'll just have me sitting there going, Ooh. It can be like, you can be like me in this episode where I was getting confused about all the British stuff. And I'm going, what? In the background. And so then you can do that during the Dragon Ball episode. Mm-hmm. Turnabout is fair play, I'm in. Count Excellent. Me in. Um, okay. Other than that, surprise. Can I also give a shout out as well, sorry, to Nick's mum mm-hmm. for talking sense to Nick about, you know, that it's not on him. He's mm-hmm. a 16 year old boy. He shouldn't be out to fix Charlie. Mm-hmm. And that sitting down and being, holding his hand and saying, we'll do it together and we'll help Charlie together. And then telling Stefan and David that they're being fucking dicks. Yeah. 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 So shout, shout out to, to Sarah? Is she Sarah? Mm-hmm. It's Sarah or Jane? It's Jane, it's Jane I and refer Julio. To... So it's Sarah and yeah, Stefan. Sarah. They go together. Their letters of the alphabet go together. I think of her as Olivia Coleman. Yes. <laughs> shout out to Olivia Coleman. <laughs> See, one. I still haven't watched I, I haven't. the show. 
<gasps> Fair enough. You've read the books, yeah, read the books. Yeah. so you are enlightened. I am. Though I do like Olivia Colman. I'm sure she's amazing in this as Nick's mum. Yeah. She's perfect I, casting. Yeah, I mm-hmm. can see that. Did anyone have any surprises? I really don't think I did this time. Like, no. because <laughs> with... Like, you know, it could be surprising that... Stefan was a dick and like but he finally showed up for dinner and then Sarah tells him you know eh, you, yeah you don't really get to say anything because you're never here so that could be surprising but then it's not because we know that Nick's mom is like she doesn't put up with shit so mm. it's like it's expected to it's expected for her to correct others behavior without even a second thought so mm-hmm. I can't say that it's surprising I did appreciate it but it's not a surprise because Nick's mom is amazing. And, like, the same with Tori I... and David. Mm. You just... I thought your surprise was going to be that Stefan actually turned <laughs> yeah, up to Yeah, I dinner. mean, it could, <laughs> could, it, yeah, it could be that. That was a surprise for me. Um, I didn't really have up that very much, like, you Amanda. I was like, oh, I was very pre- pleasantly happy that they included things, but it didn't overall surprise me because Nick's mom is a G. <laughs> but yeah I think I just yeah, loved it all um, and Stefan actually showing up was actually I was like oh he exists yeah. he's actually real he's not just a figment <laughs> he's not just a figment of Nick's French imagination Yeah. see I agree and so I really struggled to think of an actual surprise and when I was reading it my probably biggest surprise was that Tori did not break David's Mm. like her restraint is probably more surprising she was subtle at the table when she dug her nails in and she was like don't you fucking dare and then when she just kicked his phone and broke his phone like even then I thought that I was surprised at her restraint so Mm. less of a shock of the story and more of the surprise that somebody is actually be able to stop themselves Mm. from beating seven shades of hell out of David because it would have been justified. Yeah. <laughs> but see, it's also it's also expected of Tori because she's very cool and calm on the outside. So you expect her to be to very seriously look into the eyes of the girls sitting next to them in the movie theater and telling them that they're she's going to break their phone. It's it's very <laughs> it's it's very expected. So her just kicking the phone out of his hand, reasonable, normal. Mm. Completely reasonable. But I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if Tori went full serial killer, you know? <laughs> she could do that. And then we have a spinoff series, and it's my favorite book from now until another murdersome book comes out. I like it. You guys are so nice at including weird, violent things that make me that make me happy. Appreciate it. I see. I think you'd really like Solitaire, to be honest, Amanda, because there's lots of not romance in it. I probably will, and I'll <laughs> and drama and mystery. I'll get around to reading it's it. It's quite angsty. Yeah. It is. It is quite. Angsty. Oh, I'll read it for sure. Yeah. It, 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 but it's, it's a very quick read. Very quick. It's not a long book. I might reread it. 
good there. All right. Yeah. Is it time? It's time. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew. Okay, so we asked on social media, would you rather enjoy a picnic with fish and chips or homemade falafel? On Facebook, fish and chips won with 85%. On Instagram, fish and chips won with 86%. On Twitter, fish and chips won with 67%. And on TikTok, <laughs> fish and chips won with 60%. So everybody's having fish and chips. Not me! I picked falafel! <laughs> Sorry. Spoiler oh. alert! We're not there yet, but... Spoil- oh my God. I know. Let's read the comments and then you can get excited about falafel. Okay, I will. So Katrina on Facebook said, fish and chips. I'm not keen on falafel. Annie on Facebook said, I'm a veggie, so definitely the falafel. Yay, Annie! Also, you don't want your sweetie to kiss you with fishy breath. So true. (laughs) Yeah. Vincent on Facebook said, falafel is rank. Give me a good old-fashioned fish and chips any day of the week. Brie on Facebook said, I will happily take oily fish and potatoes any day over most of the food. I will try falafel someday when I'm feeling more adventurous. Emily on Facebook said, I like them both, but fish and chips brings me back to my study abroad days in Ireland. And Colin on Facebook said, although I appreciate the effort that has gone into homemade anything, yes, (laughs) yes, I'll take some home for later. I have a real urge for fish and chips right now. Lots of salt and vinegar, please. Is the way. Uh, finally, real Jackson Ford on Instagram is going with fish and chips. Now, see, nah, dog, nah, dog. While we're talking about Jackson Ford, nah, dog. Um, I I prefer falafel. I mean, it's chickpeas and it's mushed up and there's lots of garlic and it's crispy fried together it's delicious maybe i need to retry it i do like falafel i make falafel me too get a nice like chewy pita bread Mm. yep Mm, yep Mm. nice my mum makes really nice pita breads actually oh it's delicious i'd go for fish and chips but without the fish yeah, because I don't like fish. Just chips. Just, just chips, salt, what about and vinegar. sausage and chips? Mm-hmm. Or Bad. curry battered bun? I've never had one of those before. Oh, there's a massive debate over curry battered bun, like how it's done. Do you take the bread bun and then do you just... Dunk it. Deep fry it and batter? Or, or if you're my friend Vince, you take the bun, you dip it in the curry sauce, mm. then you fry it. And batter. I I wouldn't do either. I I I, I feel like just fish and chips is oily enough, so I don't want to clog my yeah. arteries more. <laughs> no, the curry battered buns are disgusting. Like personally, I don't like them. I like curry yeah. sauce with my chips and sausage. Yeah. Or a do you want to go uber British? Do you, do you want me to say something uber British that even Drew you probably already doesn't are. I'll try my best. <laughs> if you if you go to a local fish and chip shop. In the northeast, you don't order it as fish and chips necessarily. You can, but if you want to order a portion of fish and chips, you'd say, "Can I have a fish lot, please?" <laughs> and it's a very, very local thing—a fish lot. I thought, oh, I thought you were going to go like deep fried Mars bar. No, that's Scottish. Yeah, and no, no. 
Oh, no. Okay, if you guys want to talk deep frying stuff, then you need to come to the American (laughs) South because everything here is deep fried. And if you go to a state fair, you can get literally anything you could ever think of deep fried and even stuff that shouldn't be deep fried. Like like deep fried Oreos was a thing for a while. Then they moved on to deep fried butter and then deep fried Coca-Cola. How does that work? So many things. Oh no! You, I've I've heard of like people using cola as like part of the the batter. Mm. Like beer batter is is a big right. thing where you you substitute the liquid for beer, which is very nice, very crispy. It sounds like somebody Scottish has gone to the deep south and has just gone into the sweet shop mm-hmm. and just got all the confection and just thrown it into. How do you deep fry butter though? I think I think probably with most things that like would melt immediately, I think it's probably frozen first. Mm. Why would you eat deep fried butter? You know, I mean, I feel like it tastes nice, but also terrible at the same time. I'm not trying it. You for a bite? <laughs> I can feel my arteries right? pumping already. Mm-hmm. It's too much. I'll stick to my salt and vinegar. Yeah, I'm gonna have fish and chips. I'm not a fan of vinegar. <gasps> you want to drown no. the fish in chips. You basically want to resuscitate the fish in so much salt and vinegar that it thinks it's alive again. No. <laughs> oh, so I don't know if it's just a mean thing, but you know when you go to the pier and you get the cones with the chips in? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I shot the vinegar afterwards. <gasps> you are hardcore! <laughs> yes. You are hardcore! Oh, I really did just almost throw it. up in my mouth. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I love it. Oh, no, wow. thank you. Moving on, please, for the love of fuck. <laughs> too British. I've gone too oh, British. Too much. No. <laughs> oh. What the no. hell? Mm-mm. Nah, move on. Drew, what do you what do you call the bits when you get fish and chips and you know you get the little bits of batter? Mm-hmm. What do you call those? Bits? Just bits. Just bits. Because there's so many different names, like scraps, scrags, um, mm. bits. Those are they're called all different things, and nobody knows what they're actually called. Fried bits, I guess. I don't, yeah, just they're the Batter extra bits. bits. Yeah. The, the extra mm. surprise. <laughs> Can we please move okay. on? Like right. Can we please? Yes. yes. <laughs> I still stick to my stomach over shooting vinegar. Shot, oh, shot, shot, no, shot. I've, I've forgotten about that. I've managed to get it out of <laughs> my brain. Okay. Drew, you dirty <laughs> bitch. Hey, yeah. Would you rather go to a huge party with lots of people so you feel uncomfortable or go to a small, no. excruciatingly <laughs> awkward dinner party? No. <laughs> Can I get takeaway and just watch Netflix? No, nope, there please? is no option C, Claire. <laughs> Can I go to the huge party, feel completely uncomfortable, take a plate from the buffet, and then go home? So technically, I've gone to the party, but I've taken. I've only been there for five <laughs> minutes. Ten minutes. Stay for ten, and then you can go. Who's at the party? Oh, everyone. Do I like these people or not? Out of the 
hundred people that are there, you like approximately two and a half people. Can I take those two and a half people into a separate room and we could just like have our own little mini party? Maybe, but then like ten minutes into your separate small mini party, then it's going to get crashed by other people that you don't like and then they're not going to leave. <sighs> Tempted to go with the excruciatingly awkward dinner party because then it's at least it's, a, it's like, you know, funny to talk mm-hmm. about and think about afterwards and go, oh my God, how awkward was that? Ooh. I, I can't as believe as she just said cent- she had an affair. <laughs> as long as I'm not the centre of the attention. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with a small excruciatingly awkward dinner party because I'm less likely to have a headache. Okay. I like that. <laughs> I agree. I'm going to the dinner party and I'm going to try not to laugh the try not to laugh the entire time. As like you know when you, that nervous reflex of <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to that excruciatingly awkward dinner party as well because surely there's at least one person there that I know and like can commiserate with because surely it's not all awkward all the time with everyone. Mm. Well, the three of us will sit on one side of the table. We'll not be the awkward people. We'll be the people who've got to witness the drama and be like, what the fuck? We have to talk about this yes, later. And we oh, all my have God. To keep and we just make those... Not moving. Oh, my God. What is happening can you... right now? <laughs> can you pass the salt? Give me a shot uh, of vinegar. <laughs> I can't wait to go home and text you about this later. Oh, my God. Believe what you just said. It's like, oh, it's like, yeah, the mistress we'll is coming down. Oh no! <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, let's do that together. That'll be fun. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. sorted. Next question: Would you rather go to the beach with your friends or a foreign holiday with your parents? Where are we going, and for how long are we going on this holiday? Is it a three-week trip? Um. Yes. And do I have to spend all of my time with my parents? I'm not a monster, so no. Well, then that's what I'm doing. I get three weeks <laughs> off work. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Are they paying? I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I'll go, I'll go on the foreign holiday with my yeah. with, with the parent. And then when I get back, I'll go to the beach with my friends and tell them all about the weirdness that occurred on the foreign holiday. Yes, exactly. And then you can sit like this and take a shot of vinegar again. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, I needed oh, this. Oh, it's so great. I love it. <laughs> I, I feel like I need to clarify. It's not like a big thing of vinegar. It's just like a little bit of the bottom. <laughs> I mean, a shot isn't It's a good 25-50 mils of vinegar, you know, a proper shot right at the bottom. Put some hairs on my chest. <laughs> oh, I hate it so much. I love it. I love it. It's so gross. I think I'd probably go on the holiday as well, purely because I'm technically already doing that later this year anyway. So... Nice. All right. Where are you going? Yeah. Cyprus for a wedding. Ooh. Is it going to be awkward? Yeah. Is there is there going to be anything excruciatingly awkward about it? Probably. Good. You'll have to tell us. About I'll, it. To, I'll have to tell to. you guys when I get back. <laughs> it depends which part of Cyprus you go to. The bit. Well, I. Uh, 
think it's Paphos. Is it the Greek size or the Turkish side? Because they I, get a bit uh, awkward. I don't know. I, I don't know. Yes. I just know there's lots of cats at the hotel we're staying at. So I'm like, this oh, is my so dream. You're, you're fine. You. Next question. Yes. Would you mm-hmm. rather put David or Stefan in their place for being jerks to Nick? David, because Stefan is barely there. Mm. <laughs> you'd plan the you'd, you'd plan the thing with Stefan, and he wouldn't show up. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Pl- we've planned the intervention. We all have our letters. We've got a big banner that says "Intervention for being a jerk off dad." Mm-hmm. And Stefan just doesn't turn up. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Put David in his place instead for being a fo- homophobic yeah, ass wife. He's the worst. A massive he's bully. The and a he's dick. the worst. Mm-hmm. He he needs instant he does. punishment, mm-hmm. whereas Stefan, it's uh, it's going to be a bit harder. Mm. That's a long term yeah. commitment. I'd say David as well, just because Stefan wouldn't show up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Drew, did you bring us a would you rather question this week? I did. Mm. Oh. Would you guys rather have an awkward dinner party with Harry? Or an awkward dinner party with Dave. Oh, so it's so excruciatingly awkward all over the place. I have an important question to ask though. Yes. Are there shots of vinegar at this party? Yes, it's a staple. Because <sighs> to be honest, it's the only thing that's going to make this dinner party <laughs> <No>! bearable. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to drink them. You could do pour them on their them. And they could smell like oh, vinegar. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That, that's what I'm doing. Can, can can I give them a paper cut and then pour the vinegar on yes. them? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. If that's what we're doing, then I think I'm going to pick David because, like, seriously, we we all need to take turns putting David in his place. Mm-hmm. He's just a dick. Yeah. Like yes. we've already shouted at Harry in front of all mm-hmm. of his friends in front of our entire school year. So. We can forget about him. Yeah. So yeah, let's just dump vinegar on David. Yes. I'm gonna mess him up. <laughs> yeah. Since part of us, I thinks Harry, because at least you can talk about movies, and he's changed for the better, so he's less of an asswipe. He's still an asswipe, but he's less of an asswipe. Yeah. Whereas David, will probably want to punch yeah. him. <laughs> can that be my dessert? Yeah. Taking seven shades of shit yes. out of them. Exactly. Yeah. If that could be my dessert, I'll do that. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> All right. What are you doing, Drew? Mm, I'll probably go with Harry just because it's uh, be a little more chill. I could drink the vinegar for myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason. It's the only reason why. Yeah. Ugh. Oh my god. Okay, move on. Move on. Favorite final thought quote. Next, please. (laughs) Just gross. I'm going to go first because I just need to stop. Okay, yeah. (sighs) Okay, this is appropriate. Just fuck off. Ah, done. The end. (laughs) That's the end of favorite final thought quote. Thank God I'm about to pee myself. <laughs> which is both accurate and a quote. <laughs> Please say it's lunchtime. It's lunchtime. Thank God I need chips. 
again accurate and a quote (laughs) yes very good oh you are such a dork I swear to god Mm. there we go you're all nicely tying together Uh I pass the bat on to someone Drew what are yours mine are let me nap on you because relatable (laughs) yes Mm-hmm. You are a park cat. Yes, yes I am. Guest starring my cat in the blood background. <laughs> and I, I just really like Love Can't Cure Mental Illness. I feel like it's something the people reading these books need to know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, the, if they've read any of the books I've read, looking at you, Twilight. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, good. I just think nice message yeah <laughs> why can't you be cured why <laughs> oh okay you should always have a copy of twilight at hand <laughs> oh free that's wonderful okay um watch your quarter Amanda. let's see you can do this i'm here for you mate oh my god do not call me mate buddy pal bro Charlie <laughs> I like the mate I like the mate conversation because it reminds mate. me mate mate what you doing mate 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 I miss uh, let's see what else I like your smell too you're making it weird <laughs> um and finally, I will accept some snacks. Mm-hmm. Snacks. They Both accurate and quote. Yes. 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 I have my <laughs> snacks ready. Oh. Mm. All right. If you liked this, try this. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. I've been saying wait till recommendations because I'm not going to recommend anything that is a YA formats. <gasps> Because Amanda has, quote unquote, suffered <laughs> enough. Look, it's not suffering. The books are precious. It's just not my thing. And that's okay. Okay, it's just fine. So now I'm going to recommend something that is more Amanda's Yay! thing. In fact, it's something I actually sent her uh, the other day. So she's already aware of this. It's mm-hmm. on our radar and I very much yes. want to read it. It's a new book. It's called May Fly by C.J. Lead. It's not published until June this year, but um, I saw somebody on Twitter recommend it. I think it was Josh Winning. Um, and, you know, if they're going to say yes to this book, then I'm going to say yes to this book. So this summary is from Goodreads. By dear, Maeve Fly works at the happiest place in the world as everybody's child, every child's favourite ice princess. By the neon lighted glow of the sunset strip, Maeve haunts the dive bars with a drink in one hand and a book in the other, imitating her misanthropic literary heroes. But when Gideon Green, her best friend's brother, moves to town, he awakens something dangerous within her, and the world she knows suddenly shifts beneath her feet. Untethered, Maeve ditches her discontented act and tries on a new persona, a bolder, bloodier one, inspired by the pages of American Psycho. Step aside, Patrick Bateman, it's Maeve's turn. Oh, it sounds amazing. Disney Princess (laughs) meets serial killer. Yes. The end. Yes. So there we go. Completely nothing to do with Britishness. (laughs) Or fish and chips, <laughs> shots of vinegar, being lost in translation, there may be some Dragon's Ball Z. I can't mm-hmm. guarantee that mm-hmm. there's there is or isn't. 
but there's definitely going to be gore. And there is something that you two both like. I can only assume we're talking a Disney princess here. Disney parks. And you guys both love those. <laughs> I love a Disney park. Yeah. I also love cereal right. colors. So, yeah. You know. It's perfect. Yeah. Go with. It's perfect. Okay. Passing the baton okay. again. Drew, do you have anything to recommend this time? Um, I do. Uh, I'm going the opposite direction. Uh, well, kind kind of the opposite direction. It is another one of the Alice Emin books because it's really good. <laughs> um, with Radio Silence, it was really good. It's set in the same universe as Heartstopper, but it's not really a love story at all. <laughs> um, I got the summary from Goodreads. So Francis has has been a study machine with one goal nothing will stand in her way not friends not a guilty secret not even the person she is on the inside then francis meets alad and for the first time she's unafraid to be herself so when the fragile trust between them is broken francis is caught between who she was and who she longs to be now francis knows that she has to confront her past to confess why Carith disappeared francis is going to need every bit of courage she has engaging with the themes of identity e diversity and the freedom freedom to choose um radio silence is a fraud a tour de force by the most exciting writer of her generation Ooh. it's very good very uh yeah i think it doesn't really mention much about the heart stopper people like there's bits and like they're there but it's very much about francis and alad and their friendship and the mystery Aww. of of Karis. It's very good. Oh. Nice. Mm-hmm. I've got that one. I haven't read it yet, though. I haven't actually finished it yet, but I still recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Amanda, Mine is called Be Dazzled by Ryan Lasala. And I got my summary from BuzzFeed. Cosplayer extraordinaire Rafi has just broken up with his bisexual soccer player boyfriend who wasn't ready to come out of the closet. Now he and Luca are going toe-to-toe for the top prize at a geek con cosplay competition. Like Nick, Luca takes his sweet time figuring out his queerness and fretting over how his family and friends will handle him coming out. Cosplay, you won me over. That's all I need. (laughs) Happy from the first sentence. Yep. I'll have to look this up. <laughs> Do we have a spotlight? Yes. Okay, so I kind of have two this time a little bit. Um, we just got an email from the marketing person for this series. And um, the book is called Cursed Crowns. And it's by Catherine Weber and Kat Doyle. And it's coming out in April. And the tagline we were sent was that it is perfect for fans of Alice Oseman, Sarah J. Moss, and Stephanie Garber. Wow. So this, however, is the second book in the duology. And you all know how much we love a duology. So let me tell you a little bit about the first Mm -hmm. one, Twin Crowns, that came out last year. It says it's a high-stakes fantasy rom-com about twin princesses separated at birth, One raised as the crown princess and the other taken as an infant and raised to kidnap her sister, steal the crown, and avenge their parents' murders. That's book one. Now for this one, 
Twin queens Wren and Rose have claimed their crowns, but not everyone is happy about witches sitting on Iana's throne. Cool-headed Rose sets off on a royal tour to win over the doubters, but soon finds herself drawn to the Sunless Kingdom. Here, secrets are revealed about those closest to her, and Rose finds her loyalties divided. Meanwhile, rebellious Wren steals away to the icy north to rescue their beloved grandmother, Banba. But when she accepts King Alaric's deadly magical bargain in exchange for Banba's freedom, the spell has unexpected and far-reaching consequences. As an ancient curse begins to arise from the darkness, the sisters must come together and unite the crown. Their lives and the future of Iana depend on it. Break the ice to free the curse. Kill one twin to save another. Ooh. Sounds pretty fun. I'm adding, I like the sound yeah, I'm adding this to my basket as yeah. we talk. Yeah. <laughs> I like a duology yes. as well. I think we're going to have to have this one on. Yeah. Oh. So that's very exciting. Both of them sound super great. The first one came out mm. last year. Golf yes. clap for the recommendations because yes. they were yes, absolutely I love spot it. So, on. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. And if it's if it says fans of Alice Oseman, you know, there's got to be some heartfelt things that happen as well. But I feel like I feel like it'll be a good story, and I want to read it. I'm glad we got those. <laughs> I'm excited that I would I, the idea of a duology yeah. as well because. I mean, behind the scenes, we talk about books all the time and so many just long yeah. series. And it's a big commitment that, you know, one book is fine, but if we're going to not, not tie it off with two. Yeah. Oh, nice. Love a good duology. Yes. Yes. So I'm excited by that. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. I'm Drew. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss garlic and the Vampire by <laughs> Brie Paulson. Look, okay, this month, March's theme is all about graphic novels. Let's get graphic. So we have to discuss a graphic novel that has a vampire in because we, it wouldn't be fictional hangover if we didn't discuss a graphic novel with vampires. So that's what we've got. I think we've both at one point as well recommended Garlic yeah, and I'm the pretty Vampire. Sure. I'm pretty sure we have. So... <laughs> Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover so you can join us in episodes like Drew. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.